Thank you so much. Uh, I'm so glad to be in Glad Tidings to, uh, in your Saturday service. We've been here, as uh, Pastor Gwen has said, for about three days uh, sharing in the AGPC. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in my heart I was just saying, oh my goodness, let her not continue because she's stealing in my message. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. She was digging deep in the message that I'm going to be sharing. And uh, that's good. It gives me a lot, a lot of confirmations of what uh, the Lord is going to do tonight. So uh, let's uh, go to the word of God. Mm. Are you having your Bible with you? Tonight I'm sharing with us on triggers, prayer triggers. Or what triggers, what should trigger us to pray? Because uh, you cannot just say pray, pray, pray. You cannot just tell people pray, pray, pray. You cannot just be praying. There must be something that always will trigger you to continue to pray. What is a trigger? A trigger is, is something that makes something to happen. Something that causes something to happen is a trigger. So, uh, I've been in the prayer ministry for many years and, uh, you know, uh, praying on a personal level, on family level, church level, national level, global level for nations. And I came to realize that beginning prayer is easy, but sustaining prayer is a challenge, you know. And this is the reason why we need continuous revelation from the, from the heart of God to understand what, you know, what, what is going to motivate us? Because if you are mobilizing people to pray on a church level or on a national level, then you must have what I call a rallying point. You know, something that rallies people to seek the Lord within that season. And, you know, trigger a certain wave. But that comes to an end. But like now, in Malaysia. We've been praying for elections, praying for elections, praying for elections. Now, you cannot pray for elections because the elections are over. Praise the Lord. So, we have to pray for the next thing. Point number one, prophecy. Prophecy is one of the triggers of prayer. Let's go to the book of Daniel, chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew... That the writing was signed, that he went into his house and his windows being... No, no, that's not the scripture that I'm looking for. Just a minute. Yeah. Daniel chapter 9, verse 2 to 3. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the numbers of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplications with the fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for gathering us in the place of covenant. I pray tonight, speak to your people, fulfill the prophecies that you've spoken to them, and uh, move greatly. Heal, deliver your people, and transform lives by your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Somebody say amen. amen. So we look at um, the life of Daniel. Because you see, 
When we look at the scriptures, one thing that we know is that before God can do anything, he has set a pattern. And what is the pattern? God must speak, then he does. That, that has always been his pattern. That's why the Bible says that God will not do anything unless he tells his servants, the prophets. That's how he operates. He speaks, then he does. So when we look at uh, this uh, uh, scriptures here, uh, th th this was the time when, when, when Daniel and the children of Israel had been taken to, to, to captivity in Babylon because of the, the rebellion of the children of Israel. They never gave the land its Sabbaths. They never gave the land rest. And so the Lord decided that because you rebelled against me by refusing to give the land rest, I am going to take you to Babylon and you're going to spend there 70 years so that the land can have its rest. Before I get into that, this is uh, very, very important to understand that uh, Babylon at that time was the headquarters of witchcraft. It was the headquarters of sorcery. It was a wicked society, a society of immorality, corruption, uh, you know, the, the moral fabric was broken down. The Babylonians worshipped the idols, and yet at the same time, Babylon was a superpower. Uh, today, we do not have Babylon, the uh, physical Babylon with us, but we have the Babylonian system that is operating and controlling nations. And many of us that are running business and that are working, we are working in a system of Babylon where people use witchcraft, they use sorcery power and all kinds of demonic powers, uh, you know, to, to get into power, to get business favors and to break through in life, you know. A few years ago, I was told that in Malaysia, the Malaysian politicians, they used so much witchcraft in what is called the bombers. And, you know, they were manipulating and they were winning elections because of the bombers, because the bombers were always offering sacrifices. And as a result of that, they were releasing demonic power that was manipulating the populace, though the governance was not good, to continue just voting for them. But glory to God that in the last uh, couple of years, the church in Malaysia rose up to raise up powerful altars of prayer, and those altars of prayer paralyzed the altars of the bombers. That is the reason why when the elections came in May, the will of the Lord prevailed because the altars had been paralyzed. Let's give the Lord praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, Daniel was operating in this kind of corrupt situation and, 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 and most of us who are working in the marketplace, in the, you know, in the secular world, we know that we operate in a system that is unfair, in a system that is corrupt, in a system that is full of injustices. But when you look at the life of Daniel, despite that he operated into this kind of system, he was able to stand. He was able to prevail. Daniel is amongst the few people in the scripture that conquered the Babylonian system. And for him, he conquered because 
How many people conquered the Babylonian system? I think there are about three people. One was Abraham, but you know, he had to go and fight when his uh, uh, nephew, Lot, was taken to the place called Shina, which was in Babylon. His own army, soldiers that he had trained, born in his own house, they went and they fought and they recovered back Lot and the rest of the people. So Abraham overcame the Babylonian system. And then uh, another person who overcame it was Cyrus, you know, uh, King Cyrus. But these ones had military forces. But Daniel overcame the Babylonian system not with the military forces. He overcame the Babylonian system by wisdom and by prayer. You know, uh, how did Bem uh, uh, Daniel prevail in Babylon? He prevailed because of three major reasons. One, he had a very powerful personal prayer altar. Daniel used to pray every day three times. Ask your neighbor, how many times do you pray? <laughs> Come on, talk to somebody. Ask them, how many times do you pray? I know, I know, I know many of us here, we could be praying three times for breakfast, for lunch, and for supper. <laughs> that is not prayer. Praise the Lord. That is just blessing the food. That kind of prayer cannot even move the weakest demon in the gates of hell. You know, Daniel had, so people were in the marketplace and you want to prevail. Because child of God, let me tell you, in the marketplace, most people that are making it, they are connected to a certain demonic power. They are connected to altars. They are connected. Do you know Fung Soi? <laughs> they are connected to Fung Soi and all those Soi's. And yet, we, the children of God, that have the most powerful altar. We are not activating our prayer altars. And that's why we get defeated. Raise your right hand and say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Malaysians, can you speak like lions and lionesses? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I release the fire in my spirit to activate my prayer altar. In the name of Jesus, I rise up again. I rise up again. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, open your mouth and in a minute speak in the spirit. Activate that fire that you have received. I want to hear your voices rocking through the roof. Don't whisper. Open your mouth. Oh my God, this side is quiet. I need to come closer to this side. They are quiet. Come on, raise the volume, raise the volume, raise the volume, raise the volume. Shaba, 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 shaba. Rama kabrakatos andaya bagados. Rima karabashandarabakatos. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, many times we talk about the wisdom of Daniel. But where did the wisdom of Daniel come from? 
the wisdom of Daniel came from the fact that he had a powerful personal prayer altar. Because when you spend time in the presence of God, it's going to give you wisdom. That's how he tapped into wisdom. But secondly, Daniel overcame because, because you know, I mean, many people, Christians in the church, are living into in a life of compromise. You know? And, and uh, people are not living a holy life. Because I can tell you, if you don't have an altar, an active altar, you cannot live a holy life. You, you can't. You know? Young people were here also. You, you cannot be able to prevail because the forces of lust, the forces of temptation, the forces of darkness will be coming against you like a flood. He prevailed because of that. But secondly, Daniel never prayed alone. He had a team of people that he prayed with. You know, Shadrach, Mesach, and Abednego. What that means is we cannot only pray alone. We must also come and participate in the altars at the church, the corporate uh, altar, or in the connect groups, or in the life groups. You know, don't be alone. Don't be alone. Are we together? Come on. Tell somebody, don't, don't be alone. Listen. When Simon Peter, when Simon Peter was, when he was arrested by King Herod and he was put into prison, the Bible says that prayer was going on for him. They were praying for him without ceasing. And they were praying from the house. Who were the people that were praying for Simon Peter? It was his connecting group. Because it was in the house. They prayed for him because they knew him. Are we together? They knew him. You know, this, is a, this church is a big church. If you just say that you come for Sunday service alone and you don't participate, you have connecting groups, is it? It's cell groups. You don't, you, <laughs> you don't participate in the cell groups. Nobody knows you. So one day you will have problems Though the church wants to help you, nobody knows you. Nobody's going to stand with you in prayer. Simon Peter was known by his cell group. So when they heard that he had been arrested, they stood in the gap to pray for him. Are we together? So tell your neighbor, you need me and I need you. You cannot make it alone. Point number three. I believe that Simon, uh, uh, Daniel and the group had been discipled. Uh, it appears they had been impacted by the writings of, of Prophet Jeremiah. Because, I mean, when, when you look at the kind of stand that they took, the stand and uh, not to eat the food that was defiled, the food uh, that was served on the table of King Nebuchadnezzar because it had been offered to idols, these young boys, they took a stand and they said, we cannot eat that. You know, they are thrown in the fire and they say, it doesn't matter. If we die, we die. But we are not going to bow down. Daniel is thrown in the lion and he says, if I'm eaten by lions, let me be eaten by lions. But I'm not going to compromise my faith. He did not make that decision. There. It gives you 
an indication that there must have been a very strong foundation of discipleship that was invested in their lives before crisis came. So by the time the crisis came, there was already a resolve in their hearts. We cannot compromise. So always avail yourself to be, to be, to be discipled. But now, I get into my message. I'm swinging about the power of prophecy. So when Daniel is in, uh, is in, uh, is in, in Babylon, he realizes that the 70 years that the Lord promised uh, that Israel would stay in captivity uh, because the Lord had given a prophecy, those 70 years are, were now coming to an end. And as a result of that, he rose up to pray. He was tired. He was motivated to pray uh, so that the prophecy can come to pass. Many people do not see prophetic words coming to pass in their lives because they receive the prophetic words and they do not pray. Child of God, you need to get hold of the prophetic words that have been spoken over your life and use them in prayer. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. Uh, just uh, look at this scripture Oh, my iPad is, is shutting down. But it will resurrect by fire. <laughs> it will resurrect by fire. Um, First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18 the Bible says, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. You know? Use the prophecies that have been spoken over your life to fight against the powers of darkness. Are we together? Because the enemy is going to try to lie you and tell you what the Lord spoke to you is, you know, it is a lie. God is not a son of a man to tell a lie. You know, I remember when the Lord sent us to Malaysia, when he gave us the prophetic word of the judgment that was going to come over this land, uh, because the Lord showed us the heavens over Malaysia. They were closing. And the Lord told us that the, Malaysia was going to go through a very difficult time if the church did not rise up to pray that there was a looming judgment that was coming over this nation. And when I came and I shared this message in different places, in different congregations, that prophetic word motivated many people to rise up and to pray for, for the nation. So prophecy, you know, motivates us to pray. That's the reason why we, we must always have notebooks. When we receive prophetic words, we must, you know, write them down and use them to pray uh, because that motivates us and that triggers us. Raise up your right hand and declare, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, every prophetic word that has been spoken over my life, I now pray for that word to come to pass in the name of Jesus. 
I come against the spirit of discouragement, the sense of hopelessness. I pull it down. I pull it down. I believe what God has said shall come to pass in my life in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And every time prophecy is released, there will be warfare that will come up. There will be battles to fight, to try and stop you. But my friend, you must put on the face of a lion and say, I am not giving up. I am not settling for less. I have to see the promises of God come to pass. The Bible says that let every man be a liar and let God be true. You know? So, point number two. What are the things that motivate us to pray? That's what we are looking at. The promises in the word of God. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 10 to 11. The Bible says, For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Are we together? The Lord is saying that when the rain comes, it doesn't come for nothing. You know? It doesn't come for nothing. When rain comes, it waters the earth. And it causes the dry places to blossom and to prosper. And so the Lord compares the rain to his word. That the word which has come from his presence, it shall not return back to him null and void. But it shall fulfill that which he has assigned it for. Child of God, let us read the scriptures and let us be motivated by the word of God. Because the word of God never changes. The word of God is there forever. People can promise and they will not do. Politicians will promise and they will not do. But when God promises, he is a faithful to fulfill the promises that he has released to you. Child of God, uh, Christianity is very different from other religions. Why? Because Christianity is a religion of experience. That's what makes it different. You know, uh, everything that the Lord has spoken about in, in his word is not just an empty promise. It is something that is there for us to experience it and for us to see it come to pass in our lives. That's the reason why of all religions, you know, I used to worship idols, you know, many years ago when I was still a young man growing up and uh, I visited certain religions as well, which I don't... 
But of all religions, there is no religion. Have you ever heard, for example, in the Buddhists or in the Hindus or whatever, people standing up and giving testimony and saying, I was a prostitute and I accepted Buddha and Buddha transformed my life. I'm no longer a prostitute. Have you had those kind of testimonies? Or somebody saying, I used to take drugs. And when I went to sorcery, demonic altars in Penang. <laughs> you know, Penang is the headquarters, headquarters of, of demonic altars in Malaysia. But there are good things in Penang. They have good food. If you can only avoid the demons, hallelujah. <laughs> but, but don't eat in Penang without praying for the food, amen. <laughs> Remember the blood of Jesus. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this. All other religions on verse of the earth. I mean, have you ever heard? Those religions, they don't give testimonies. They don't have time for testimonies. You know? They don't, they don't give testimonies because there are no testimonies. Right now, if I ask each one of you, everybody here has a testimony. Everybody has a testimony. Are there people here who have a testimony of what God has done in their lives? Raise up your hand. That at least God has done something. Of all the years you've been served, if God has done nothing really, there must be a problem. And we need to address that problem today. <laughs> if you're telling me you've been born again for the last one year or the last two years and God has never done anything in your life, there must be something wrong. Because Christianity is a religion of experience. That is what makes it different. Why? Because our God is alive. Jesus is alive. Are we together? That's why other religions fight for their gods. We do not fight for our God. He fights for himself. Are we together? Our God is alive. Come on, raise your hand and say he's alive. I don't hear you. Say he's alive. He's alive. We used to sing that song many years ago when we were young. Alive, alive, alive forevermore. My Jesus is alive. Alive forevermore. Alive, alive, alive forevermore. My Jesus is alive forevermore. He's alive. Are we together? Now, what I'm, I'm bringing to your attention is the promises of God are yes and amen. They are there to be experienced. The Bible says in the book of John chapter 1, I think it is verse, verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh. Yeah, John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What does it mean when he says, and the word became flesh? And the word became flesh. Come on, tell your neighbor, and the word became flesh. Hallelujah. The word was there from the beginning. The word was with God. That's what John tells us in, in John chapter 1. But then he goes on to say, this same word that was with God from the beginning, this same word became flesh and it dwelt amongst us. The word becoming flesh speaks about fulfillment of scripture. It's not enough for us to say our God can heal. No, no, no. It's not enough. The word healing must become flesh. Are we together? When I say it must become flesh, what I mean is what? You must experience it. And today you're going to experience it. Are we together? The word joy, when we say the joy of the Lord is my strength, it, this is not rakadabra. This is not fiction. This is not something that is just written in the scriptures to excite us, brothers and sisters. The word joy must become flesh in your life. You must experience it. Oh my goodness, hallelujah. At times, I wonder when I see children of God, they are they, they, they are depressed. How do you get depressed? You see people, people of God, children of God, very, very miserable. When they laugh, it is like they are crying. Some of you, we have never seen your teeth. We don't know how your teeth looks like. Because you laugh like this. <laughs> <laughs> joy, uh, the promise of joy must, do you know the reason why people don't experience it? It's because promises are, come, are spiritual. They are spiritual. All promises, promises of healing, promises of joy, favor, power, anointing, glory, fire. Everything is a spiritual, but it must be converted into reality. And what, what converts it into reality? It is alters. Prayer converts the promises into reality. Hallelujah. One young man came to my office. I was telling people here. And he told me, oh, Pastor Subi, I admire you so much. I said, why do you admire me? And he said, because you don't have any problems. You are so lucky, you are always happy, you are always laughing, you are always joyful. Eee, I admire you. Ha, I looked at him, I said, I wish you know my heart. I have challenges, but challenges do not make me to look so. I am finished, I am finished, I am finished. Even Jesus at the cross never said, I'm finished. If he said, I am finished, <laughs> we would all be in trouble. <laughs> but he said, it is what? 
joy must become flesh. Hey! 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 Uh, uh, uh. You know, at times my wife tells me, you're crazy. Not being there. The joy of the Lord, the favor, the power. When we talk about the power, the anointing, the presence of God, you can experience it. It is real. Hallelujah. When we speak about the fire, the fire of the Holy Ghost, you experience it if you want it because it is real. Hallelujah. The promises of God are supposed to trigger you to pray. God says, I will give you a long life. How many people want a long life? Oh, people here don't want a long life. <laughs> Let me talk to these ones. How many people want long life here? Hallelujah. The people behind don't seem to be cared about. <laughs> Come on, raise your hand and say, Father, in the name of Jesus. I don't hear. You know, listen. I am very intentional over everything I'm saying and doing. Declaration prayer is so powerful. Your spirit responds to two voices. The voice of God and your own voice. So when you declare, whatever you declare empowers your spirit. You have to invest power words into your spirit. Because some of you just close your mouth. But I've come with the keys of David to open your mouths. <laughs> Raise your hand and declare, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, you promised a long life. So I declare, I will live a long life. Long life is my portion in the land of the living. Divine health is my portion. Because you have promised by your stripes, I was healed 2,000 years ago. I am a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I am powerful. I am anointed in the name of Jesus. I am unstoppable. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I now declare... I will never go to the hospital. I will never be sick. I'm going to live in divine health. In the, open your mouth and speak in the spirit. Come on, activate the promises of God. I am not hearing people praying. Are there people in this auditorium this evening? Come on, can you bubble in the spirit? Can you possess the promises of God? Promises of God inspire you. They are supposed to inspire. Romo shaka bragaraya. Mande saka ramashanda bakobre kataya. Ramashanda bakobre katoya. Rimashanda bakataya. We use the promises to pray. We use the promises for intercession. Makaramashanda. Rosaka ramakataya. Rimashanda bagadaya. God is not a son of a man to tell a lie. What he has said to do, he will do. He will do. He will do. He will do. 
Makaramashana Bagadaya, Rekasoko Setea, Bareka Ramashanda, Masaka Ramakataya, Roshata, heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word shall never pass away. Ramakarabashanda Yamakataya, Roseke Brekataya, God is not the son of a man to tell a lie. Rakaramashanda Bakataya, we believe in your promises. We believe in the promises of healing. We believe in the promises of deliverance. We believe in the promises of long life. We believe in the promises of revival. Ramashanda, you are promised to revive Malaysia. Today we get hold of that promise and we say, Lord, revive the nation of Malaysia. I work this nation out of slumber. I work this nation out of prayerlessness. In the name of Jesus, somebody pray in the spirit. Makaramashanda, Rosaka Brekataya, Rimashanda Bagadaya, Remako Brekatoza, Rimakasiana Magadaya, Bandosa Kabrakataya. Oh my God. Mashana Makabrakataya, Rimashakataya, Rekosaka Brekataya. Mande de Beseke Brekataya, Mando Shatana Bagadaya, Rima Cabra Catosa, Bandeseke Brekataya, Rima Shana Bagadaya, Mando Saka Brekataya, Rima Shana Ramacobrek Attire. Hallelujah. God is fulfilling his prophetic word over Malaysia. He has just begun. Greater things are coming. Revival is coming to this nation. Transformation is coming to this nation. The Lord spoke to me. I was just praying before I came. There is going to be so many conversions of young people. Many young people are going to come to the kingdom of God. Many, many, many young people. Your daughters and your sons are not going to be taken by the forces of darkness. Young people are coming to God. The spirit of the Lord is moving, is stirring up in this nation. We are going to have many young people. Oh my goodness, multitudes upon multitudes. They will not be destroyed by drugs. They will not be destroyed by pornography. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. God is the faithful, is going to save them. So, promises trigger us to prayer. Finally, because time is, is gone, I want to pray for people. The Holy Spirit also trigger us, triggers us to pray. He's the greatest agent of triggering people in prayer. Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that the Spirit itself helped our infirmities because we do not know how to pray. But he helps us to pray, you know, according to what is in the mind of the Father. You need to court the presence of the Holy Spirit. To help you to pray. If you're going to enjoy prayer. I enjoy my prayer time. Without the Holy Ghost. Prayer is boring. Woo! <laughs> you can pray for 10 minutes. And it is like 100 years. You know when you preach. People come to you and tell you. Wow. Thank you for blessing us. The message was good. When you pray, who will tell you, come and tell you, oh, the prayer was good? Raise your hands and say, Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray. Anoint me with fresh oil. And let me tell you, 
I finish with this statement. When you pray, spend most of the time praying in tongues. Pray in the spirit. One day I was praying and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he told me, when you compare languages, look at the Hebrew language. It's richer than English. One Hebrew word is equal to about 15 English words. Greek is rich. One Greek word can be equal to about five or six English words. He told me the richest language on planet Earth is the Holy Ghost language. One tongue can be equal to 10,000 words. So even if you have one tongue, rah! Oh, zaga, zaga, zaga. Don't think you're repeating yourself. This zaga can mean power. Another zaga can mean fire. Another zaga can mean victory. Another zaga can mean breakthrough. Another zaga can mean glory. You're not repeating yourself. It has many meanings in the realm of the spirit. But I'm not saying remain on one tongue. Because some of you only have one. Stand up on your feet. Worship team, please. Very quickly, I want to pray for those people. You know that you're going through, you're, you have been so discouraged. You're facing a sense of discouragement and hopelessness in your life. Just come to the front. I want to pray for you. I'll just run over here. I have to finish in the next uh, a few minutes. You, you know that you've been going through some situation of discouragement and the sense of hopelessness in your life and you need prayer to rekindle your hope, to rekindle. Just come over here.